0: Good morning. We're back in the Word again. Uh, grab your Bible if you don't already have it and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and we're going to jump in and, and get going. I'm not going to waste a lot of time on the intro except to say as always that we'd love if you come hang out with us. Um, this is not church. This is just me pulling apart the Word and unpacking it so that uh, we can jump into it tonight and we Meet in Tempe, Arizona, so if you're in the East Valley of Tempe, anywhere, we'd love for you to come. You can find us online um, at our website there, you'll see, and an email, hit us up, or go to social media, whatever you want, but uh, shout at us, we'll tell you how to get exactly where we are. I'd love for you to come, spend some time with us, we spend some time eating, uh, praying, getting in the Word, just kind of talking about this text uh, as we go through it. So that's tonight. We've been working through this series of Is God Among Us? And we're going to keep going with that today. Not one of us, but is he among us? And we've been using a theme, uh, which I've shared every week, Revelation 21, verse 3, that says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they'll be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And so this week, in that theme of Is God Among Us, we're going to be looking at Is God Among Us to speak through us. Is God among us to speak through us. And what if hearing God came with responsibility? Uh, what, what if you knew right up front that it came with responsibility that you had to speak it to others? Uh, would you accept that deal? But before you just race and say yes, wait before you buy. <laughs> um, what if what you had to say wasn't always good news? What if sometimes it was negative or, or hard? Would you still share the complete truth? what uh what we have right here is god's word we have been given his word in fact written down in meticulous detail exactly what he has to say and there's no doubt what his word is and though his word is is tough to hear sometimes i'll admit that it is truly good news at the end of it all it's really good news even the tough stuff is good news and if you've heard it, you do have a responsibility to share it. So let me read uh, the text real quick. First Samuel chapter 3, um, and I'm going to read just the last few verses. It says in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this. I thank you for this text. I thank you for your word as a whole. Thank you that you have spoken, that you do speak. I thank you that it's written down, that I can look here and know word for word, literally word for word, what you said, and I can. Memorize that and, and grow as a result of it and share with others. Help me respect that as I share it today. I'm not trying to put words into your word. I'm trying to take your word and put it into my words. And I pray that's what happens. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Excuse me. So if you're a dude and if you're a guy and you've been in any kind of relationship with any kind of woman for any length of time... <laughs> I don't care who she is, I guarantee you there's been a point in time where she was ignoring you or she wasn't responding to you um and or maybe she was, but she being been super short. you know I'm, you know when, you know the moment I'm talking about, and you get that word you know the word when you ask what's wrong, What'd she say? Nothing right, nothing, nothing's wrong now if you believe that you're ultimately going to be a really lonely guy <laughs> uh if You know, let me just clarify right up front. I'm definitely not gonna be, uh, the guy that stands here and tells you I understand women. I've been married for, uh, you know, going on 20 years to Molly. I don't, I'm not gonna be that guy, but I can't say for certain that there's more happening there when they say nothing. Just telling you. Something is wrong. No doubt. And you aren't seeing it. And you don't already recognize it. And that's bothering them. You aren't perceiving it on your own. She she doesn't want to tell you what it is. She wants you to be paying attention and wants you to hear her heart, even the things she's not saying. And then once you recognize this, though, I will tell you. Once you recognize this, um, you can train your ears. You can train your you know your eyes, your heart to pay attention to her, to communicate to her better with her better, and to truly hear her before she drops that nothing on you. Um, again. So, if God came, though, I'm not calling God a woman, but if God were a man, God is God, but if he came and he spoke to you today, would you know it? Okay, first question, would you know it, all right? Would you recognize his voice and hear his heart, though? So, that's the real question. Or could you just accept God saying, never mind, and walking off? Could you just accept that? Um Today, we're looking at Samuel. God speaks directly to this young man, and he learned to hear from God, and he honored that privilege by sharing God's word with everyone completely, clearly, and truthfully. All right? Completely, clearly, and truthfully. How about you? that how you do it? Are you truly listening to God's words? And what are you doing with it when you have it? know what I'm saying? All right, so outline real quick. You're going to see kind of this cool little progression. There's no word from God, and then God's word is to one, and then one's word becomes God's word basically to all. So quick background. We talked about Samson. You had him in this time of judges that were governing Israel. This is kind of the tail end of that time period. You had this barren woman. Her name was Hannah. And she was brokenhearted, wanting a child. She goes to God with it. Um, You can read all this story in the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel. She goes to God with it. Uh, Eli, the priest at the time, overhears her uh, moaning to God for wanting a son. And in that moment, she commits to give this son to God if God gives her one. Uh, And so God honors her request, much like Samson, though. Because she had made that vow, this boy's destiny is sealed at his birth, um, before his birth, and she names him Samuel, which means heard of God, which is pretty cool, like God heard. Uh, and then Eli was this judge and this priest now for about 40 years. He had two sons, uh, Hobney and Phineas, who were both priests alongside of him, but they were both foul guys. They were very crooked, very rotten, corrupt dudes. You can read all of this in your own time. And Eli fails to deal with his sons uh and later on samuel's old when he's old enough he's grown up a little bit hannah uh honors her word takes him presents him uh to eli to serve in the tabernacle uh would later be the temple but here's the tabernacle and learn ministry so that's where we're at first uh first here we're going to look at no word from god so first samuel back up to verse one now in this time period now the boy Boy there can mean child, it can mean young man, it can mean teen. Probably in this case it's teen, I would guess. Samuel was, maybe even younger, but anyway, Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. I love how ministry is described in the Old Testament. This kind of phrase is used frequently. Ministering to the Lord. God doesn't need our ministering to him. He didn't need Eli, or excuse me, he didn't need Samuel to minister to him. But I think it's cool that in all the ways that Samuel ministered to others, it was considered to be to or for God. It's not just acts of charity. It's not just kindness that God observed and approved or disapproved. It was personal. It was between the two of them. It was between just the two of them and That being said, though, it was affecting others. It was ministry to other people, but, but for them, it was personal between God and Samuel, and Eli is there observing, you know, and kind of guiding as a mentor in a sense. And it goes on in verse one, and he says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. I'm not going to tear all this apart. Just look what the words say. What does it say about Eli that God's word was rare? in those days. I mean, I don't know how to go into it. What does that tell you about him? What are the implications of God's word being rare? What do you think life was like in Israel with God's word being rare in those days? Vision there, no frequent vision. Vision refers to like direction from God. It could have come through a dream like Daniel would have dreams uh, that interpreted god's vision or direction it could have come through a personal encounter though like abraham and uh you know you, we've already talked about abraham and go back and look but for instance it's one thing to for god to say hey you're gonna have countless children it's another thing for god to show up personally walk you outside of your tent and say look up at the stars man count them if you can count them because that's how many i'm talking about that would be a much more personal encounter so but rare it's a really scary word, right? Anyone who claims that they're following God's direction with their life, like I'm I'm trying to follow God's path, man. I'm trying to go God's direction. If that's you and, and you can drop the word rare in there, his word is rare. Imagine leading your family without any vision, direction. Imagine leading your church or your business without any direction or guidance. Uh, from God. Imagine your city. Imagine your country. Just get, get your brain around what things must have been like or what that would feel like to be in that situation. If you depend on God for that vision and it's not there, then whose vision are you following? Let's just put it that way. If, if, if you are depending on God's vision direction and it's not there, then who are you really following? And maybe you say you do really depend on God and his direction well I can question that and I can answer that really simply here's how you know what's your Bible look like what condition is your Bible in if you just got a new one that's a different story (laughs) but you know what I'm saying what condition is your Bible that's how I can tell if you are truly following his direction note that he says here the word of the Lord was rare the word came first the word he mentioned first it's not the visions we should be looking for it's his word because guess what his word will give vision it will give direction so verse 2 it says at that time eli whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see was lying down in his own place there's some pretty uh serious metaphorical language going on here his eyes it says growing dim he could not see he's lying down he's in his own place uh, literally, he's getting old. I, I get that, and that's what it's saying. But metaphorically, there's more going on here. The word was growing less and less important and becoming more and more rare, and he's losing his connection with hearing God and knowing when God's presence is there. He, he, he was blind to God's direction, blind to God's vision, he, he's, and as a result, he's not moving. He's just laying down. And he's sitting in comfort in his own home, rather than out sharing God's word and proclaiming God's vision to the people. Know what I'm saying? So there's no word from God, and in that time, in that condition, in that moment, we have God's word to one. Look at verse three: the lamp of God, that would be the menorah that was in the tabernacle, had not yet gone out. And Sam—so Sam, obviously it was late, and Samuel was lying down in the temple or tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of god was then the lord called Samuel. Now, that doesn't mean he was laying at the foot of the ark it just means he's in in the same place where the ark was kept which is the tabernacle then the lord called samuel and he said here i am but he ran to eli here and said here i am you called me but eli said i didn't call you go back and lie down so he went and he laid back down verse six and the lord called again samuel samuel arose and went to eli and said here i am you're calling me But he said, I didn't call you, my son. Lay down again. Go back to sleep. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Pretty wild. Eli can't see physically. Samuel can't see spiritually. Yet. Eli can't see physically. Samuel can't see spiritually. Uh, Verse 7, man. What a powerful statement that is. Even though Samuel was in the temple all day even though he was ministering to the lord and in the presence of eli he was surely learning to be a priest he was most certainly in god's word he was most certainly memorizing it but it was not living yet it was not alive he had not seen he'd not known he had not understood the fact that the word of god is a person It's not just education. It's a person. And that's how salvation works, guys. That's how it works. Many people hear the word. Think how many people come to church or might be listening to this, this video right now or countless others that are on the internet. I mean, people hear the word. People come to church every single week. And they sit there and they hear the word. They might even volunteer. They might do good deeds and all kinds of great things. But his word also says the path to destruction is wide and many are on it. But the path to eternal life is narrow and few find it. Because it's not until God reveals himself to you, it's not until you know the person of the word. Only then can you really see yourself. That's when you start to realize who you really are. A sinner separated from God. And then you start to understand the true grace of God. That he would reveal himself to you. That he would forgive you. That he would pay the price of salvation for you. That that comes when it goes beyond just hearing and seeing and doing. To suddenly knowing that, that the word of the Lord is now revealed to you. It's a person. Uh, verse 8. Let's go on. It says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. Now, I'm sure any normal person would be about crazy, but Eli pauses him, and he goes, Wait a minute. Then Eli says, Perceived. He realized, now it was oh, wait, that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. If he calls you, you shall speak. Uh, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then the Lord came, now the fourth time, and stood, look at this, calling as at other times. So is he physically standing there? I believe so. Where? I don't know, but somewhere standing there. I believe so. Had he been standing there already? I don't know. Maybe, because this says he's calling as at other times. But now, either way, his presence is very much there physically. And just like he's done before, he says, Samuel, except he says it twice now, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, and he goes on. But before we, before we go there, it, think about this, man. Um, it's almost like God has been standing there the whole time, but Samuel hasn't seen him. I, I feel like Samuel's been asleep, and God's just been standing there. Hey, Samuel. And he gets up, and he runs right past God to Eli, then back to bed. Then God's still standing there. Now, this is the way I'm envisioning it, okay? And then he says, Samuel. And Samuel jumps up and runs right past Eli. And I think, how often do we do this? We run right past our Bible. Right past it in the morning, in the afternoon, the evening, whenever, to head off to work, to head out to the movies, to do whatever we're going to do, to watch Netflix. And then on Sunday, though, we race to hear the pastor and what he has to say about God. We run right past our personal opportunity to hear from God in his word and we go right to this man to hear what he's got to say. And I say that as a pastor. You know what I'm saying? His word is right in front of us. If we'll just listen to it. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In other words, I'm about to do something awful. And I, I, I'm not going to break down what all this is about. You can read the story. I'm following Samuel. But you'll get the point here. This is not a good thing. Verse, Or it's not a happy thing. Verse 12. On the day I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity uh, that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Um, basically cutting off Eli's house in a sense here, the, the, the children and the future for Eli, uh, doesn't mean Eli's going to hell. That's not not that's not what he's saying. Verse 15, uh, Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. You ever felt like you really needed to tell somebody something, maybe even God's convicting you about it, you need to go tell this person this, but it's literally making you sick at your stomach? Did you ever go do it? you ever go do it i heard a local preacher say and this is a quote god is a good god that's just like with prophesying we say that prophesy prophecy is to edify to exhort it's to comfort never to bring down break down or to make anything negative but i would argue that prophecy is almost always at least in the bible almost always bad news and that bad news is repent and why that's bad news to us is only because we love to sin but repent that's the common thread of all prophets and nobody likes to hear that and as a result most prophets were generally hated hated well what about now this this pastor that i quoted what he was pointing to is in the new testament in ephesians 4 verse 11 he he shared a couple but In verse 11, where it says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry here for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the edify, exhort to build up the body. So that's what they were, that's what prophets were given for, he said. Also, 1 Corinthians 12, where he says in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Prophecy is included in that list for the common good. So see, that's where he gets that list. And I wouldn't argue. It is for the common good. It is to build up the church by calling the church to repent. (laughs) What defined a prophet was this. Thus says the Lord. When you see that phrase, you can know it's a prophet speaking. Thus says the Lord. We do the same when we speak God's word to each other. When I share the word with a friend or you share a word with the family members, particularly family members of God, brothers and sisters in the church, Um, and many times we need the brother or the sister to come tell us the hard truth that we may not want to hear you know we need that but you better also make sure if you're the one doing that that it's his word that you're sharing god's word not your own a prophet uh is someone that is gifted at interpreting and explaining and sharing god's word not their own agenda they're not taking God's word and making it say happy things all the time. They're just unpacking what God's word says in a way that hopefully convicts your heart. First, or 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says, Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It didn't come from what I think it's what God said. For no prophesy, prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's God's word. So how does Eli respond to hearing it? Look at verse 16. Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. Tell me what he said. May God do so to to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. In other words, if you don't tell me everything, I pray God keeps everything from you. Verse 18. So Samuel told him everything Look and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. What a response. His message is not positive at all. In fact, it's scary and it's breaking Samuel's heart, but he tells the whole truth. How often do we do that? How often do you do that? It's scary. You know it's going to break somebody's heart, but you tell the whole truth. You point people to all of God's word, all of it, expecting that they may be angry, expecting that they may reject it, expecting that they may call you intolerant, or his word is what they're really arguing with. But this response from Eli, man, no one is breaking his heart too to hear that, but he humbly responds and he accepts samuel's words as the word of god that's what we pray happens that's why it's important that you share it all and and i'm not saying when i say god's word to one here i'm not saying that god only ever comes to one person and that one person has all the responsibility that's not what i mean by that phrase i'm saying that god is intentional and personal He's intentional and personal. He doesn't just blast a message in the clouds or make some giant billboard in the sky. He comes to individual people and leads them to a personal relationship with himself so that they can personally represent him to others. Uh, it's personal. That's what I mean by one. He comes to individuals. It's a personal thing. And so we have his word, guys. We have his word. We've been given understanding by the Holy Spirit. We need to share the complete word of God because we have it and we understand it. We need to share the hope of the gospel, but also we need to share sin. We need to do it, not not sin together. I mean, share what the Bible points out as sin, that it is sin. And look, things that society's not going to agree with, things that even our Christian brothers and sisters may fight us on or attempt to twist the meaning because it doesn't make them smile to hear it. But we need to do that. We need to be one who shares all of God's word with those who are listening. And then we need to trust that the response is in God's hands. Eli responded the way he did not everybody would do that later in Samuel's life Saul would become a huge thorn in his side because of the way he responded to Samuel's words on behalf of God, or God's word through Samuel. So there's no word from God. Then God's word comes to one, and then one's word goes to all. And that word that one shares is God's word. Verse 19, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That last sentence is pretty wild. The Lord appeared The Lord revealed himself by the word of the Lord. That ought to trigger in your brain, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. To see God was to see the word. To see the word was to see God. And he appeared physically before Samuel appeared to him, and he was the word. That ought to send you to John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Same picture. It's amazing. So this ends opposite of where it began. The word was rare. Now Samuel lets none of the word be left silent at all. When he says not letting the word fall to the ground, what a great statement that is. It means he's not pulling any punches. He's not leaving anything out. He's not dropping anything. He's telling the whole entire truth. You're going to hear all of it no matter who you are. It's his word. Uh, we tend to do the opposite of that when we share the gospel, just saying and I say we, because the gospel's good news, and it is, and we want everybody to be happy and encouraged by it, and we want them to quickly accept it uh, and just feel like the sun is out and everything's glorious, but it's only good news if we tell the whole truth. It's only good news if people realize that they are sinners, separated from God, and hopeless to do anything about it, that hell is a true reality, and that there's no chance of getting out of that apart from the grace of God, apart from the hope of the cross, apart from the miracle of the resurrection, that, that apart from those things, we are hopeless. That's what makes them good news. That's what makes them good news. And listen, honestly, proclaiming all of the word of God is always going to honor God and will very rarely honor men. So there's a good chance that if you continue to preach the word of God, you can turn people's attention on him or their anger at him. They're dealing with his word, not your word. But that also means that he gets the honor, not you. So let me close this up. Um, There's a pretty amazing illustration in this outline. No word from God. God's word to one, one's word to all. That's the way evangelism works. i give you an example. Even in Jesus' own case, John 17, verse 8, Jesus is praying on behalf of his disciples, and he says, For I, Jesus, have given them, the disciples, the words that you, Father, gave to me. I have given them the words that you gave to me, and they have received them and have come to know in the truth, know In the truth that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world to do the same thing. Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what they were sent to do, which is what Jesus was sent to do, to empower others with the word, to take the word of God. As one whom the word has come to and go to all nations with it. Romans 10, verse 14, Paul wrote, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, prophesying, proclaiming the word? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The word, there is a place. Where there is no word of God, and I can tell you there's a lot of those on this planet, where there's no word of God, God's word comes to one, maybe it's you, and God sends you to be his word to all where his word is not. That's what's up. And you have that responsibility because his word came to you. You have the Bible. It came to you. You have the Bible right here. And at first, maybe you're reading the Bible and it's not clear. It's not making a lot of sense. But when you become a believer, you start to hear it. God's Holy Spirit starts to teach it to you. And then you take his word and you proclaim, thus says the Lord. Let me tell you what God has said, what he's done. And you don't let any of it fall to the ground. You make disciples and you equip them to do the same. But it all starts right here, man. It all starts right here. Have you heard him? Have you heard him? I mean, really heard him. Really heard him. Maybe you've been listening to preachers. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you've been uh, even reading your Bible and it's not making a lot of sense. And maybe the preacher sometimes is boring or confuses you. Maybe I am right now. I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, it sounds like I'm speaking to you. Maybe it sounds like the preacher is speaking to you. Maybe it sounds like the words that you're reading on the page are are to you. Do you think he's trying to get your attention? you think maybe he's calling your name? Can you hear him? I can tell you how to respond if you do. Just like Eli said, say, speak, Lord, your servant is here. Speak, Lord, your servant listens. Your servant hears acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you're, that's not hard to do if you face it. Acknowledge that you're a sinner and that he is your only savior. Place yourself as a servant to him and say, Lord, take my life. Lead me, guide me. And then find a place where people can walk with you into his word and help you truly Become a disciple of Christ. Let me pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. It is so amazing as always. Thank you for the opportunity to be in it and share it. Pray if anybody today hears your voice, Lord, that hears you calling, let them see you. Let them see you today, please, Lord. Appear in a sense to them. I don't care if you physically appear or if you appear uh, as a voice in their head or, or their eyes just become open to the fact that your word is alive. But I pray, Lord, you do that in somebody's life today. And I'd love to hear about that if that happens. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.